you have a Bible with you this evening or you wish to reach for the Bible right there at your chair, we'll be on uh, page 700 in the, uh, the red New King James versions that are there in the chairs, page 700. Also, it's chapter 11 of the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 11, the Gospel of Luke. We'll open up these first couple of verses of this chapter tonight in terms of the preaching and the teaching this evening, but I'd like to read verses 1 through 13. This is the word of the Lord, Luke chapter 11. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And so he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is a friend, yet because of his pers persistence. He will rise and give him as many as he needs. And so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Well, this is the reading of God's word. Let's ask the Lord to be with us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we turn to you asking for your strength and grace in your word tonight. We pray your rich, rich blessing upon us. Illumine our hearts and open our minds. We pray that we'd have tender consciences, very supple hearts, Lord, to receive all that you have for us. May we see wonderful things here in your word. May we see the Lord Jesus Christ, he who is our God and Savior. And so bless us, Father, in your word. We need your strength here. We need your power. That, Father, we would be a people seeking after Christ. Be with us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Someone has said that a man is never standing more tall, a man is never standing more tall and upright than when he's down on his knees. <laughs> Think about your own stature. Standing tall, standing upright, certainly we're, think we're thinking about our spiritual stature, our spiritual growth. A man is no, no more robust and strengthened and hard in life than when he's on his knees, when he's on his knees. 
Our topic this evening, indeed, is prayer. Maybe you'll remember there are the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, and it's in Luke that we have more stories and more scenes about prayer than the other three Gospels. And if you think of the whole of the New Testament, all the way from Matthew, all the way back to the book of Revelation, so if you think of the whole of the New Testament, a little over 120 times, a little over 120 times, the word for prayer is used, the main word for prayer, to be down low and prostrate in prayer. To be down low in prayer. It's used a little over 120 times. But the vast majority of the 120 in the New Testament are found most often in the Gospel of Luke and then Luke's second book, the book of Acts. So whether it be in Jesus' earthly ministry for Luke or in Jesus' heavenly ministry, the work of the church, our Savior has gone back to heaven, but he, he superintends the work of the church. So whether it's in his earthly ministry or his heavenly ministry, Luke is emphasizing the role of prayer in the role of salvation and the work of the church. It's in Luke, think about these now, it's in Luke that when Jesus is baptized, he's praying. When he's about ready to heal the leper or to heal the paralyzed man that's going to be lowered down through the roof, he's praying. When he's about ready to choose the 12 disciples, uh, he is in prayer in choosing the 12 disciples. Uh, Luke tells us, Luke's the only one that tells us, that when, when the Lord Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to the Mount of Transfiguration, that mount where there'll be more unfolding of God's plan given regarding the Son, the Lord Jesus. We're told in Luke that they went there to pray. They went there to pray. When Jesus is with his disciples and he's way up north in northern Galilee, Caesarea up there, where Jesus asks that important question, who do men say that I am? The Bible tells us that Luke there, in this part of Luke's gospel, that Jesus is in prayer prior to the disciples saying, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Jeremiah. Well, who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. When we find Jesus there in the garden, of course, he is praying where the stress and the strain is there right before him. He's in prayer while his own disciples are asleep. When he's there at the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ, even from the cross, Father, forgive them. He is in prayer. And we also have in Luke's gospel, on the third day when Jesus was raised from the dead, the Bible tells us that he, we, he went on that journey seven miles away to Emmaus, and he caught up with those two disciples. And they journey there to a home. But then later he's with all the disciples there in a room that's closed off. And he goes there to break bread. And there with his disciples as the resurrected Lord to break bread. It says, in breaking the bread, he was giving thanks. He's in prayer. He's in prayer. Wow. <laughs> Here it is, the emphasis in the Gospel of Luke on prayer. So why? Why this emphasis about Jesus and the church and the building of the church and prayer? Why this emphasis? Well, that's our question tonight. Why this emphasis from this passage and Jesus about his earthly ministry and about his work in the church? Why this emphasis on prayer? Two lessons for us this evening, two lessons. 
One, we're going to look at his earthly life, and we'll see an emphasis there about his, his earthly life. We're also going to see something then of a heavenly pattern. He's going to instruct us on how to pray. He's going to instruct us with a heavenly pattern. So here's the first one. Why this emphasis on prayer? We get something of a glimpse here in this passage about Jesus' earthly life, his earthly ministry. He is our Savior. Look at the opening words of this chapter here, chapter 11, verse 1. Now, it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, he's in prayer. Again, why this focus? Well, this is the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Savior. That's the emphasis. Saviors save. <laughs> Here is the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, sent for the purpose of bringing hope. And what's the number one way of seeing him bring hope in this passage? And as Luke has an emphasis, it's seeing Christ in that living relationship that he has with his Father. We see Christ in that living, growing closeness of that relationship with his Father. Now you see, dear friends, the emphasis there is there regarding his own prayer life, his closeness in that relationship with his Father, because our relationship, our relationship has been broken. Our relationship with God has now been divided. There's now a breach. There's a ruin that we now have. It's because of our sin. Well, Christ came to restore men and women and boys and girls unto the Father. He's, he, he came to restore this closeness. And so as the Bible speaks of a relationship of knowing the Lord and being close to the Lord, we have it pictured for us here. Here is the Lord Jesus in prayer, and the disciples are watching him. And the Bible's going to go on to say that when he stopped praying, then that's when they asked him, Lord, teach us, teach us to pray. But the point that Luke is pointing out to us here is that though we're helpless, though we're powerless, though we're lost in our foolishness of our sin, though we're weighted down with guilt, we're weighted down with the pain of transgressing the holy character of God and His holy laws, we fall short of the glory of God. But this opening line, you see, this opening line about Jesus reminds us of the good news. He's in closeness with his Father. He's living out that life in his Father, with his Father, that we of ourselves, we can't live. And the good news is that Jesus has come down to heaven to assume humanity, flesh, to live out that life for us. And the Bible calls this that communion that he first has with his Father that then we might have as well. It's access to the Father because of what he's done. An openness to prayer to the Father because of what Jesus has done for us. It's who he is and what he's done. Listen to the book of Hebrews on this. Listen to the book of Hebrews at chapter 7. He is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Why? Because he always lives to intercede for them. That, in a nutshell, is his ministry. 
He's living in closest to God the Father in prayer. He's the one who opens up access for us that we might pray. We might have access for salvation. And listen to what one commentator says here about his ability to save us completely to the uttermost and his ability, Christ's ability, in that he always lives to intercede for them. One commentator writes, How can we who draw near to God through Christ fail to be eternally secure in view of the fact that not only he always lives, but that also he is our ever-living priest and he never ceases to make intercession for us in the heavenly sanctuary. With him as our intercessor, supporting us in his love, there is no force that can daunt or overpower us. This is Christ's closeness, and his very act of praying is the good news of salvation. He's carrying out his work for you. And with Christ who first prays, that sets the whole motion of the Bible's message right at its activity. It's all, set in, it's all set in motion at this point. The message of the Bible is clear. First, it's Christ. First, it's Christ of who he is. First and foremost, it's his ministry. It's his work. That's the message of the Bible. Salvation is not first me. Salvation is not first my work. It's not first my abilities. It's not first my doing of my duty to pray. Salvation is Christ. Salvation is faith in Christ. Tonight is your faith in the Lord Jesus. Are you walking with Christ by faith? You know, the chief mark of the Christian, the chief badge of the Christian is to trust in Christ. And you see, trusting in Christ leads us then to talk about our closeness and our union that we have with Christ. And our union with Christ is that he who is our living head, who prayed, who is the way, the way to the Father, he is our hope. He's our righteousness. And it's all pictured for us in Jesus' own living union with his Father. So when Jesus would move from region to region, village area to village area, when Jesus in his earthly ministry would move from circumstance of healing to circumstance of teaching, circumstance of agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, circumstance of being raised there on the third day and glorified in heaven. The, very, he's, the Bible presents him in prayer, leading in prayer, walking in communion with his Father. And that's the case because he's come to be our Savior. This is his earthly ministry. In the second place, he teaches us then a heavenly pattern. So he moves in this passage not only to be the one who's praying, showing us that relationship that he has and that we might have by faith. We might enter into that same relationship by faith. But also now to teach this heavenly pattern here. He becomes teacher. He is Savior and he is teacher. And of course, the disciples ask him. He was praying in a certain place. Let's go back to the verse. And when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And so he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven. Note the words here, teach us. Lord, teach us to pray. We're talking now about this particular 
teaching point here of the heavenly pattern that he's going to give. But why do these men, why do they ask him, teach us? Think about this with me. These men are Jews. These men have grown up in the synagogue. Prayer is not something new to them. What's on their minds here? Yes, they're aware of John, John the Baptist. John the Baptist teaching his disciples to pray. They're aware of that. But they are seeing, watch this now, they are seeing the manner, they're seeing the practice, they're seeing the closeness, the freedom, uh, the ease with which they would speak and converse with God. They're seeing something about prayer that they've not seen. Lord, teach us. Teach us. You see, prayer, and we typically don't think this way, but prayer is a big part of the picture about the Lord's coming. Prayer is part of this big picture as to why Jesus came. And they're seeing this. And they want to learn about it. So what's on their minds specifically? The Old Testament is on their minds. They're watching prayer, and now they're saying, Lord, teach us to pray. The Old Testament is on their mind. Listen to the book of Isaiah. They knew these lessons from Isaiah. I will hide my eyes from you. If you offer many prayers, I will not listen to you. Isaiah chapter 1. Listen to Jeremiah. You say you will not listen to the prophets? I say I will not listen to you. Jeremiah 26. These disciples have such points of Old Testament teaching on their minds. What's going on here? God has had no obligation to listen to his people pray. <laughs> that strikes us. But you see, they've been watching the freedom. They've been watching this liberty, this frequency, the ease with which, which they would pray. They've been watching Jesus. And so you see, since Jesus has come who is God himself, he comes to initiate, he comes to bring to pass this openness that only he alone can open for us. There's a new way that's open to have access with God because God comes as deliverer to give that access. Listen to Jeremiah 29, probably familiar verses to us. After 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you, and I will cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me, and you will find me when you search with me, search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away, from which I caused you to be carried away captive. That's Jeremiah 29. That's a favorite verse for a lot of us. That verse is talking about that with Jesus coming on that day, 
the day of the Lord. He came in his earthly ministry to open up this way of free access. Lord, teach us. And these disciples are gripped to the heart. Think of a couple of applications real quick, even about this matter of him teaching us to pray. We're not to take prayer for granted. God does not owe us an ear. It's his mercy through Christ that we would have access to him. Here's another one. Don't ever think to yourself, Mark, don't ever think to yourself that prayer is then just a cheap way to speak to the Lord. It's not, there's nothing cheap about prayer at all. Do you remember what it costs our Savior? Jesus went to the cross. He paid for our sin. Jesus died in our place to take the, Lord's con the Father's condemnation for us. That's to say, Christ died that the way would be opened up for prayer. He paid that ultimate price, gave himself that we would have access through prayer. And again, this Lord teach us. He's about opening up something unique for us. And specifically, it's this pattern now that comes, this pattern. It's a heavenly, God-centered pattern. Let me ask you something. Have you ever done upside-down praying? <laughs> That's the pattern you're going to see here in this prayer. We're being summoned by our Lord, the teacher now, to pray upside down. <laughs> that is to say, we typically turn our prayers downrange first. We typically start down in lower petitions in this prayer. We typically start with prayers for food. We ask for things. We pray about our circumstances. So we start down halfway in this section here. Give us this day our daily bread. We're, we pray for food. We pray for work. We pray for things that concern us. We pray, forgive us, Lord, even as we would forgive those who've sinned against us. We pray about, lead us, Lord. Lead us away from temptation. Protect us, Lord. Watch over us. Deliver us from the evil one. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Turn your prayers right side up. And that's where he begins, our Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You see, if we're praying about things downrange, downrange in the petitions, what's the danger here? The danger is that we're putting ourselves first. We're at the center of things. But Jesus is instructing us, no, no, begin with our Father. Begin with Father, the one who provides, the one who leads, the one who's in control, the one who has his lofty purposes, our Father, the one who's number one, as we say, the one who's Lord. Father is how Jesus instructs us to begin. And notice here, if you run your eyes down to verses 10 and following, at the same chapter, not only is Jesus instructing us to begin with the Father, but down at verse 10 and following, he's ending this section teaching about prayer, once again thinking about the fatherhood of our God. Look at verse 10. Everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. 
If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus is teaching us. We begin our Father. And then as we pray, we're to trust him that he is the giver of every good gift. He's our Father. He's our Lord. He watches over us. He takes our hearts. He takes our lives. He surrounds us with his love. He guides us in his purposes. He corrects us when we're going astray. He directs us to Christ and faith and repentance in Christ. This is our Father's care. And so we're called to trust him. We're called to be God-centered in our prayer, to wait upon him. To give him praise. Why? Because he knows what is best. He may say yes with answered prayer. He may say no with answered prayer. Or he may say not at this time with answered prayer. But he's our father. And we trust him for his lordship. And we wait upon him. I like what one 16th century churchman said here about this access that we have to our Father in prayer. Here it is. Tell God all that is in your heart. Tell him all that is in your heart as one who unloads his heart of its pleasures and its pains. Tell God of your troubles, that God may comfort you. Tell God of your joys, that God may sober them. Tell God of your longings, that God may purify them. Tell him of your dislikes, that he may help you conquer them. Talk to him of your temptations, that he may shield you from them. Show God the wounds of your heart, that he may heal them. If you thus pour out all of your weaknesses, all of your needs and troubles, there'll be no lack of what to say. Talk out of the abundance of the heart without consideration to say just what you think. Blessed are they who attain to such familiar, unreserved intercourse with God. That's that freedom and frequency and access and joy that we have in prayer. Our God is our Father through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. As we wrap up here, notice the passage began. Jesus first prayed. He's praying because we're weak in our praying. He's in relationship unto his Father because we're powerless of ourselves. We don't have that relationship. But by faith in Christ, we're welcomed into that relationship. And then we have access, indeed, through our Savior who saves us to the uttermost. As well, remember the pattern. Our Father, giving our focus to his purposes, his glories, his name, hallowed be your name, your will be done giving our focus in a God-centered way that he's the Lord, he's our God, and we go to him in prayer, and we go to him with his promises in prayer because he's the Father who's eager to give us good gifts. Let's pray.
Dear Lord, we would pray that you would come alongside of us and be the shepherd of our souls and direct our steps and thoughts and attitudes. And, O oh, Father, the practical outworkings and obedience of faith in Christ and living in Christ to pray and to have that freedom to come into your presence uh, frequently and with a, with a full heart, eager, eager to know and eager to receive that you're our God, you're our Father, and you bestow good gifts upon us. Oh, Father, we would ask, make your promises ever so rich. Uh, may we know that you're the God of all security and all comfort. And that, Lord, that you would lead us in our lives. The various burdens that we feel tonight, the various cares that we have in our souls this night, things upon our hearts and minds, you would come and be the one that would bear our burdens and we would cast our cares upon you and that we would know that closeness that you have first provided for us, O oh Lord. Help us to know that you will never leave us, never forsake us. And Father, in this week of prayer, as we as a Good Shepherd congregation have this week of prayer, enlarge our hearts and uh, may we grasp the promises of the Lord and to walk with our God in that closeness of fellowship this week. Oh, Father, we ask these things, seeking your glory, seeking your honor, that Christ might be lifted up, and we pray in his name. Amen.